Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films, filmmaking and film theory. In each programme we're going to focus on a particular movie, we're going to review it, share our thoughts on it, talk about it and the ideas that it sort of throws up and the themes and discussions of uh, sort of, yeah, just kind of uh, look at it from a critical point of view. Um, as always we're going to end that sort of critical review with recommendations for films and they might be based on the themes that we've encountered or the actors or directors or cinematographers or whatever we like basically before all that who are we we've done 30 of these now so it's not in too depth my name's rob i make films his name's sam he writes about films and all other matters of pop culture Essentially, Essentially, yes. Um, This week, Rob, it was your choice. It was. It was my choice. And I went for the 1972 film Silent Running. Not Silent Runnings, as I called it last week, and Sam has called me up on, but Silent Running. I I just think it's because Rob loves Cool Runnings so much. Well, who doesn't (laughs) love Cool Runnings, essentially? There's that one. convoy on a strange voyage carrying a rare cargo the forests the plants the growing things doomed to extinction on earth we have just received orders to abandon and nuclear destruct all the forests and return our ships to commercial service we're going home we can't blow up this forest starring bruce dern Directed by Dungus Trumbull, it essentially tells the story of Freeman Lowell, a uh, gardener, I suppose, caretaker of the last forests now living in biodomes aboard freighters out um, to pass Saturn. They are more caretakers than gardeners, you'd say. They have sort of there's four of them on the freighter. They have some drones that look after them and things around them. The orders come down from Earth to distant and destroy the forests. They no longer have a use. They are the we no longer, as a society, have use for plant life and animals. Lau, played by Bruce Dern, goes rogue and decides to strike out on his own, protecting the forests. And essentially, the story, the film, mostly is his his journey from there on out. I'm sure over the film we will get over the course of this podcast we'll get into spoiler territory, but I think for the moment I'll, I'll leave it there. Sam, we both discussed last week. Haven't seen this film in many, many years. How was it coming back? The thing is, the thing with this film is, uh, and as with several films, actually, it's one of those ones that I thought I had seen. So when we discussed it last week and I said I hadn't seen this for ages, I genuinely thought I'd seen it, but it turns out I haven't. Um, and it's Fair it's enough. one of those things. Um, and this may be the same for other people as well, that it feels like a cultural touchstone that you know about. Um, I think that that might have been um, what, I, what I started from, where I started from, because mm-hmm. it, it just felt like I, I knew about it. It felt like I had seen it. Um, but I hadn't. This is my first time. Um, and I suppose I want to start with my, I mean, the last note I made, which was, this is a completely ridiculous story. 
but there are some really important ideas thrown up by this. Um, that's the last thing I um, And also, I suppose, like, I kind of wish I'd seen this before I saw other films. Um, I know you don't particularly like it, but it would have been interesting for me to see this film before seeing Wally, for instance. Um, and then another mm-hmm. film that we we both liked much more, you you more than I did, was The Martian last year. And this idea of being um, Matt Damon being being the botanist left on alone, left alone on the planet is sort of his he's he's the the cultural grandson of of Freeman Lowell's character, this this botanist in outer space. Um, so, so I felt it, it was very important for that. Um, I suppose one one of the things that struck me is is why was this idea of preserving life so important in films about space? Um, and the, the Martian is slightly different because in the Martian it's about preserving what means life. Um, but in this and in Wally and in several other. Um, examples, it, it becomes about preserving life for its own sake. And I wondered why that mm. was so important. And that's something I wanted to to speak about in this podcast. Um, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I suppose there's only one real actor thrown out this. Um, so he has to be a good one. And he was. Um Bruce um, was very good in this, and he was pretty good because we don't. It, he's not what you expect. You expect um, this guy who is. Um, he's a, a caring individual looking out for the planet, ecologically friendly. He's set up in opposition to these these guys who don't really care about. It, it, they're shown to be people who don't really care about anything. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, well, then he must be a good guy. And then the first real scene you see him with the others in is the poker scene, in which he is horrible. Um, and that was something I, I found really interesting, because this film sets sets you up to think, oh, this is the good, uh, good guy doing good things. But throughout this, you get Lau as a character who is not very nice. And you question his motivation for doing certain things, and you question his relationships with the others, and you question the way he reacts, the way he responds to mission control, even. And that was something I found found really interesting in this film was how it it didn't go where you thought it was going to go. Fair enough. It's quite 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 a review, Sam. I I would kind of echo a lot of what Sam says there. Um, I think that. I picked this film having not seen it for a long time, but remembering it from my childhood. With a lot of things that you remember from your childhood, it probably didn't entirely live up to my memory of it. I think that it has some great acting from Bruce. I think it has some great effects, especially the drones, who are amazing creations. And it's got a pretty good soundtrack. The plot was a little light, I might say. Um, and a little paper thin at times but I enjoyed where it went but I do think that you open up an interesting idea about uh, about humanity in space and the idea that we need, we need to take things mm. with us and that somehow we need to look that, that the idea that I mean it was interesting here but the idea of this sort of earth mother that we 
we but by going into space we're leaving mm. the mother behind and we need to hang on to that and I'm I'm not I'm no kind of you know burn the forest and time out kind of guy but I am intrigued as to why as a society we feel this need to hang on to these things there's so much in our in our modern society like getting back to our roots re-embracing nature that kind of thing and as, as as someone who grew up in you know in a city in 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 England I've never really had that urge to get back mm. to nature you know and but as a society we we feel that it's one of those things that we just feel it's a good thing Wally is a great example you know like yes they've done terrible things to, the, to earth and there are many bad things that uh that world presents but the idea that one plant's going to fix it that we need yes. plants is a strange one i mean I, I understand obviously biologically we need plants to help with the ecosystem that sort of stuff but it's one of those weird cultural unspoken i don't know there's a you know, golden gooses that the idea that we just need like we have to we have to embrace nature nature is a good thing it, be, it becomes in in wally it becomes like this like you said it that one little plant is not going to do anything really substantial, but it's like the plant mm. becomes a metaphor. So, the, even if it is, as you say, if there is, is this this golden goose, this thing that, well, I suppose the the, the bear moth that people do don't like to talk about, they like don't like to criticise because, of course, we want nature. Of course, we want to go back to nature, and people don't really think why that is, but. In Wally, the plant becomes a metaphor for that. It becomes a metaphor for the idea of preserving, preserving nature in in opposition to this idea of, of tarmac and obesity that you have in in Wally. And that was that was something else that I, I wrote at one point. Why was Lavell doing this? Um, and by that, I don't just mean. Why did he take life in order to preserve life? Um, so he take, takes human life in order to preserve plant life. Um, but what was his motivation for doing so? Is he does he want to take this one day take all this um, plant life back to Earth and and st- start again and, and contribute to Mother Earth in that way, or is he just? Preserving beauty for preserving beauty's sake—is he doing it in response to the other the other characters who don't seem to care about the preservation of beauty, and he's just a bit put out at their attitude? So it becomes not really about preserving plant the plants at all. It becomes about his his attitude and and the way in which he sees the plants as a metaphor for something that the other guys don't seem to get. There, there seems seems to be something there. Well, I think it, it, it's a strange one in the film because they do they do present Lowell as not the smartest person mm. in the world. He he certainly isn't presented as as an intellectual or someone who's thought this through. Um, and I, I don't want to use the word the kind of simpleton, but that, that's how he's presented. He's a very simple character, mm. um, and. I think that there's from from his motivation himself. It feels to me like he he likes this life. Yes. Um, and that he's but, but told himself this story that they're going to come back and they're going to repopulate the earth with these, these plants. And it isn't it kind of isn't about the plants to me. He feels that like he's built this world and this narrative in his head of what's exactly, going to happen. Yes. And then when that's taken away from him, he mm. runs. 
And it's not that he's like, I need to protect the plants. It's more about the idea that he has to... That he, can't, he, that he can't destroy it, because if he destroys it, he accepts that his... His... Uh, his goal mm. wasn't true. So he's not. It's not about protecting plants. He just wants to protect his own narrative of himself. Exactly. In, in that, like, really quite, like, as you said, quite simple way. He's just got an idea of who he is and what he's doing, what he's supposed to be doing, and then suddenly that's thrown off course, and he just reacts. Exactly. It, it, it doesn't feel like he's like well you know, I can't believe they're destroying the planet it's more like he's like I can't believe they're doing mm. this to me yes yeah um, and that his, his world is changing and he doesn't like that 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 goes on to something that when he's when he's talking to uh, Mission Control um, and they think he's done one thing they think something's gone wrong and he has sacrificed himself or is is willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good, or they're not really sure what has happened, but they're just trying to be positive about mm. him. Um, they, it, Mission Control says, Freeman, you're a hell of an American. And Lal, knowing what he knows, knowing what he's done, knowing that actually he's not behaving in the way that Mission Control thinks he is, switches the comms off, and then says, I think I am. And I wondered about that. This this idea of what it is to be an American changes for Lau. And he's... May, maybe that's linked to this idea of preserving his narrative. That for Lau, what it means to be an American is just to be... To be simply true to himself. It's very much kind of... It, 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 this is a strange film in mm. that relation, I think. Um, because it kind of... The question of authority is one that... I feel it plays with because you've got the, the three other humans in the film who are introdu- introduced to them as reckless. Like they they are charged with looking after these plants, and the opening scene of them is racing buggies through them, yes. and destroying them. So you're very much presented with them as as he's reckless, and that Lowell is the good one following mm. orders. But then when the orders come down and he doesn't like it, they yes. follow orders. That they do what they're told, and yes, that they say they're happy about going home and all that kind of stuff, but they just follow orders in the way that mm. he doesn't. And I thought it's kind of, I mean, the film, we've touched on some of the uh, sort of spoiler stuff now a little bit, but I thought the film was very interesting in how it handles the idea of was it worth it? Because mm. Wall Lee clearly ends in a kind of happy, you know, it was all worth it, decided he's going to get better, everyone's walking and something. Whereas this kind of doesn't. It ends in a very kind of dour way in many ways. You've got the... Um, so the, 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 he, obviously at the end he, he dies and blows himself up. He, the Huey is the, the drone left tending this forest for eternity, I assume. Mm. Um, and you see he kind of um, slowly realises that it isn't... Like, people yes. matter. You know, that the, the poker scene... And whilst the, the people before weren't very nice to Lau, they were. He, he, he was part of the team. Um, and there's a poker scene at the start when they play poker together as humans. Brilliant. And later on, he teaches the drones to play, and it isn't quite. It isn't the same way, no. shall we say? Um, and then there's this re, the mirroring that I really like. Was so the opening scene? You meet these three other humans, and they 
are racing their um, buggies around and, and they damage the plants. And later on, Lowell is doing the very same thing and damages one of the drones. Yes. And then he he, and he a... looks at what he's done. And in that moment of realisation, you think he's just thought, I, I'm just like the others. There's no difference between me and the others being careless. Exactly. But he's he still went there he was mm. still careless and it's 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 a weird sort of I don't know, like a, the film kind of sets itself out as being like, human, like nature is important but really it feels to me that it's saying actually humanity is mm. important having other other people is important and you know at a certain point this desire to look after all these uh, plants is kind of empty yes um and maybe that's my personal view reading into it, but it felt to me like it was at the end subverting this idea of pro um, sort of nature and being, but actually, you know, that's brilliant, but without people, that kind of means nothing. And that's, I suppose, I suppose that's highlighted when he he sets the forest off with the drone and he kills himself because he he mm. has realised that his own narrative arc is a horrible one and has to end with his death. And you see that, I suppose you see that prefigured in the the poker scene with the drones when um, one of them does something, he, he, one of them bests Lau and he laughs, and he laughs hysterically. And you think, that's not the laugh of someone who's happy. That's the laugh of someone thinking, no. I am dead. This is the end of my life. What is happening? So, like the the film, feels, the film very much does say it's being without people is horrible. This film kind of feels in kind of the eco, pro eco sort of genre, but really, I don't think it is. I really, I think it's very much embracing those ideals against mm. that. And I think that there is a sort of a, at the moment of of Lau realizing he's made this choice. And it's kind of the living with the consequences of your actions. Um, and the film does, I feel, fit, fit into that kind of the, the 70s sci-fi genre that was very dour. Logan's Run, Westworld, that kind of thing. It, it's a dour time for um, for sci-fi that we end... That these are sad stories. And there's certainly a... I suppose the promise of space at this point had kind of died... And you look at something like the American space race, you know, we, we landed on the moon, that had come and gone, and then it kind of come and gone. See, that's really interesting, because the question I wrote down right at the beginning was, why was this film so much less iconic than A New Hope, which is five years later? And there's the answer right there that you've got, because this film is not as iconic for a generation or more of people, because this film is about the death of humanity's space dream and a new hope towards the end of the decade is is more about picking things up and moving moving forward into the 80s and it being more modern whereas this film felt very very much like around that that idea around that time of oh we haven't got anything else to to strive for yeah it feels like this era of film is kind of like we went to the moon and we rode the high of the late 60s in the space race. And then that dream kind of turned sour a little bit. Not even sour, just kind of didn't go anywhere. You know, we went back to the moon, interest waned, and we kind of stopped, the moon stopped being something we did. 
and it's left us with, with this, this pit era of sci-fi that's just so pessimistic mm. about it. The idea that the, the, the technological, in, technological advances aren't going to save the world. They're not going to make us better people. We're just going to be the same people with fancy toys. Mm. And it, you're right, it did take new hope to go, actually, screw that, let's have fun. And like We, we touched on Star Wars a few weeks back for Force Awakens, but they are fun films. At the best, they are a fun ride. Mm. You know, it is clear-cut good and bad guys. You know, literally, it's it's American farm boys versus the Nazis. Is what the first one is. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that's at a core way. Whereas this is, as, as you say, Lyle isn't a nice guy. Mm. And is like, is that it? Is he a hero? Do we have a hero in this film? You know, the drones essentially are you know very cute versions of calculators that they, they, they don't have a personality in the way that like the star wars droids have a personality they're cute i grant you and they're, they're very sweet and they're great technical advance but they definitely haven't got a personality mm. and it is the film is very much painting shades of gray and i can see why post moon landing that came about but as you say I, I can also see why that led to the complete resurgence of of, of star wars mm. and so you have I know it's a happy accident or not, but you have because it was the the fourth film that he wrote. But you have new hope as it it means. I mean, it means a, a new hope for the rebels at that point in the story. But it also means a new hope for, I suppose, for filmmaking um, and moving mm. forward in. Oh, well, maybe not in filmmaking, but in in space filmmaking certainly. Um, that becomes it, it becomes sort of I suppose a now a slogan for for new era of films about space. You're going to go through these these waves of, of both cheery and, and not cheery, and you look at I mean you look at modern examples like the, the uh, Superman films, um, superhero yeah. films, and you go through these waves of that of of some being incredibly bright and shiny, some moving into much kind of darker territory, and you go through these sort of, these sort of different waves and we're currently it's in a strange period now where we've got the Marvel films which for all their you know kind of supposed intriguing grey areas are bright shiny mm. films and then you've got the DC world very much going down the dark route and you look at these like whilst I'm not a big fan of them the Batman films the Nolan Batman films are very much a post 9-11 reaction to the Batman mm. story you can clearly you can draw a line from American reactions nine eleven to those films, and it feels that a lot of these, but it's sci-fi because it can say things without saying things, shall we say? Um, can explore the ideas and it's often much more reactive to real-world events. Yeah, right. A mental note: definitely talk about Batman at some point because there's a lot more to be said about. That. Um, <laughs> But also about Marvel and DC, but yeah, another podcast, another time. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Rob, do you have any suggestions for further reading, further viewing? Further reading, further viewing. So I'm going to pick up two films. One, I suppose, thematic, and, and one from the director. So first of all, the director uh, is Douglas Trumbull. Not a great director. Hasn't done a lot of... Um, Things under his directing banner, but he did. He was the special effects supervisor on Blade Runner. Oh, right. 
which um, I'm a big fan of, and I think is well. It, it, it's a modern classic, basically. Um, it was already directed by somebody else, but the official effects, the styling of the miniatures that were in Silent Running and in Blade Runner, are, you can see this. You can see this subject link, and I just think it's a wonderful film. I think that it's it's of all the films in my life, one of the most influential on my style and my tastes. It's an amazing film. It's one at some point we all cover, I'm sure. But yeah, Blade Runner, 1982. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. My second recommendation is from actually from the year before Silent Running, um, 1971, starring Charlton Heston. It is The Omega Man. Right. The Omega Man is one of the early film adaptations of I Am Legend. Oh, right. And has been remade into I Am Legend and other versions. It is far closer to the original book than the Will Smith vehicle was a couple of years ago. Um, some of the f- effects have dated, but it still has some of the original ending. It still has the much, much more kind of gut-punchy twists to it. And it's Charlton Heston as the last man alive. Um, it's it's a great film. It's once again very much in that kind of dark, dour, pessimistic 70s era of, of genre filmmaking. But I think it's a very good film to watch. Yeah. Um, film Sam. film trivia fact, and also I suppose goes on to this discussion we are having about about films in a political moment. But um, the Will Smith Iron Legend was originally meant to follow the narrative of the story, and presumably of the Omega. I don't know the Omega Man, but presumably the similar story. Um, and test audiences said, "No, we hate it." Um, and they changed it. Um, they were forced to change it to the the ending, which means, in in the context of the film, means something completely different. But that comes about as a result of test audiences saying, "This is not the sort of a narrative that we want at this point in our lives." Um, mm. At this point, in our political. Well, I, story. I mean, I get. I get. I mean, I get that the original. Original ending of that of, of the book and the film is not a it's not a cheery one, um, but it, I, I think it's far better than what we got myself. Mm. But then I enjoy a dour ending. Okay. Picture- Sorry, yes. Um, so my first one is well, like you, I've gone one thematic and then one more left field pick. Um, my thematic one is from a few years before. Um, it's interesting, given our our discussion there about the space race and um, attitudes to space travel to look at the the date when this was um, filmed and then released Uh, it's the I'm not sure it needs a recommendation but it's Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey which is 1968 Um, I know it it is seen as a classic Um, it's something that you've said before you've touched on before talking about Citizen Kane I mean something can be a cinematic classic and not be much fun so I'm going to say I I don't much enjoy 2001 I think it's a bit bizarre um, there are I mean there's a very famous editing break at the beginning where something fundamentally different is done with film editing and and it just leaves me cold because I, I just look at it and think well yeah, okay, that was clever, but so what? 
Um, and that's my mm. my attitude to this film in general is a bit so what. So actually, in terms of while I I think this isn't isn't as great a film, I don't think Sun Running is good quality wise. I th- I enjoyed it more than two thousand and one, but I think certainly if you haven't seen it, it's a it's a good one to have seen in terms of certain cinematic milestones. Fair enough. Um, and my second one, I wanted to, um, I suppose I wanted to to bring up Bruce Dern again because I I was really impressed by his acting performance in this. Um, his, I suppose his his verbal acting with the other characters, but also just his his physical acting. You see the way his body moves when the explosions go off, and he's he's in the in the domes. Um, and alludes his career, and he doesn't. He has a long career, not a particularly illustrious one. Um, but I did want a recommendation that celebrates him, and he was a slave trader in Django Unchained. He was old man Karakan, mm. a thoroughly unpleasant, as you'd expect, old white slave trader in Django Unchained. He's also incidentally in The Hateful Eight, but as I haven't seen that yet, it seems a I, I shouldn't recommend that. Um, so those are my recommendations. No, no, no. We, 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 we... Have, have you seen? Fair enough. Have you seen the Hateful Eight? I, I, I've seen Django Unchained. I haven't seen the Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, yes. Yeah. I haven't seen Hateful Eight, Hateful Eight yet. Oh right. But uh, I'm hoping to see it soon. But I haven't, I haven't got out there yet. So I must say. Next week. Next week. Right. I have. Um. A, I hesitate to call it mood board. I've just written a load of titles on my wall. Uh, no, I've ri- written titles on my whiteboard. I've not gone gone mad and done a, a beautiful mind on the walls of my room. Um, so, what do you, did you think? Some something worthy or something possibly quite ridiculous? I say right. ridiculous myself, but then I I, I, I collect VHS, so I'm, I may not be a. Uh... Right. To judge okay. People. Well, then we'll go slightly more ridiculous. Although I have heard some good things with reservations about it but it's generally thought to be a pretty absurd film it's the 2013 Johnny Depp version of The Lone Ranger okay (laughs) there's a you you want a ridiculous you got ridiculous (laughs) yeah fair fair enough that's that's the there's not a film that I would ever have seen otherwise fair enough (laughs) I'm a big fan of the actor who plays Lone Ranger, so I'm, I'm, I'm willing okay, to give it a go. Good. Excellent. Well, guys, if you like the podcast, please give us a like, a recommendation, give us a follow on wherever you listen to us. It really does help us kind of build this up a little bit. If you want to come talk film with us, you can find both of us on Twitter at Prestige Podcast. You can find me at Life underscore Academic. Or you can just find me, Rob, at Rob Kaiju. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr.